This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals. The information presented is for general educational purposes only and should not be used as professional medical advice or for the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions. The views and opinions expressed do not represent the views and opinions of our employer or any affiliated institution. Expressed opinions are based on scientific facts under certain conditions and subject to certain assumptions and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions or in any legal proceeding. Full terms and conditions can be found at portablebeads.com. And now onto the episode. guys welcome back to portable peds we're so excited to kick off our cardiology month with you guys all of the cases that we're going to go through this month were actually written by our very own elizabeth grogan who after serving as chief resident at nationwide children's next year will be pursuing a cardiology fellowship so give her kudos for these cases and let's jump right in so our first case is an 11 year old presents to your office for a routine well child check In discussing their diet, you find that they are eating foods high in saturated fat and low in fiber. Their BMI is 31, and they have not yet reached puberty. They have a family history of a myocardial infarction in their maternal grandfather at the age of 48. You perform a routine lipid screening profile, and their LDL level is 170 milligrams per deciliter. You recommend dietary modifications, and six months later, you repeat an LDL level, which is now 165 milligrams per deciliter. What is the most appropriate next step? A. Do nothing. Their LDL will continue to naturally decrease through puberty. B. Repeat a level in six months as their LDL level is below the treatment threshold. C. Continue dietary modifications only as there are no FDA-approved medications for adolescents with dyslipidemia. D. Start an HMG-CoA reductase inhibitor. Or E. Start a cholesterol absorption blocker. So take a few seconds You can even pause this and re-go through the answers, and then we'll come back and talk about which one is correct. All right, and the correct answer is D, start an HMG-CoA reductase inhibitor, also known as a statin. Before we go through our answer choices, let's just go through a quick review on why dyslipidemia is so important in pediatrics and what causes it. Sam, you want to talk about that? Absolutely. So coronary artery disease and stroke are two of the most common causes of morbidity and mortality in developed countries. These disease processes are due to atherosclerosis, which is the deposition of lipids and cholesterol in the intima of the arterial wall. Atherosclerosis was traditionally thought of as an adult health concern. However, recent evidence has indicated that early stages are asymptomatic and actually begin in childhood and adolescence. The pathobiological determinants of atherosclerosis in youth study that's a mouthful, examined the autopsies of individuals who had passed away between the ages of 15 to 34 years of age due to causes unrelated to known cardiovascular disease. This study demonstrated that dyslipidemia, hypertension, and obesity were all associated with the development of atherosclerosis at a younger age. The Framingham study identified obesity, hypertension, dyslipidemia, cigarette smoking, and diabetes as risk factors for the development of atherosclerosis. It also noted that the maintenance of a low-risk profile from childhood until 50 years of age was associated with a low lifetime risk of adverse cardiovascular outcomes. The study further estimated that for each 1% increase in cholesterol, there's approximately 3% increase in the risk of cardiovascular disease. 
Yeah, and then in thinking about dyslipidemia, the causes of that include genetic and dietary factors in addition to some secondary causes. Let's talk about that for a sec. So the most important genetic cause to discuss is familial hypercholesterolemia, which is due to mutations in the genes that encode the LDL receptors, LDL standing for low-density lipoproteins. This then leads to elevated plasma levels of LDL. Familial hypercholesterolemia can be seen in both homozygous and heterozygous forms. In pediatric patients, the heterozygous state is generally fully expressed and results in total cholesterol levels of approximately 300 milligrams per deciliter and LDL levels of about 240 milligrams per deciliter. The heterozygous form is also associated with a risk of coronary artery disease between 30 to 50 years of age. By contrast, however, the homozygous form in pediatric patients leads to total cholesterol levels of 600 to 1,000 milligrams per deciliter and LDL levels of 450 to 850 milligrams per deciliter. Patients with homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia are at risk for the development of xanthomas by 5 years of age and coronary artery disease between 10 to 20 years of age. One other genetic cause to keep in mind is familial hypertriglyceridemia, which is an autosomal dominant disorder that's typically not expressed until adulthood. However, obesity can accelerate its expression. The most important dietary factors are cholesterol and fat intake, especially saturated fats. And there are also some other secondary causes to consider. Type 1 and 2 diabetes mellitus can lead to elevated triglycerides. Hypothyroidism and nephrotic syndrome can lead to elevated levels of LDL and triglycerides. Chronic kidney disease can lead to elevated triglycerides and low HDL, or high-density lipoprotein, and certain medications, including OCPs, or oral contraceptive pills, can lead to elevated triglycerides. Awesome. So with that review under our belt, let's jump back to our question. So answer choice A mentioned a natural decrease in LDL during puberty. While this is a true statement, it should not affect your decision to treat the patient. In fact, the National Lipid Association recommends universal screening for children aged 9 to 11 years old prior to the onset of puberty. It is essential to screen prior to puberty because cholesterol and LDL levels decrease as much as 10% to 20% during puberty. Lower levels during puberty do not represent resolution of dyslipidemia. They just make detecting underlying disease more difficult. Do you want to talk to us about answer B? Sure. So answer choice B tested our ability to recognize treatment thresholds for LDL levels in pediatric patients. Specific cutoffs for patients who have attempted dietary modifications for at least six months include 1. Any patient with an LDL greater than 190 milligrams per deciliter. 2. Any patient with additional risk factors including obesity, cigarette smoking, or positive family history of premature cardiovascular disease along with an LDL greater than 160 milligrams per deciliter or three, any patient with diabetes mellitus with an LDL greater than 130 milligrams per deciliter. So 190, 160, and 130. The goal for treatment in all pediatric patients is to lower LDL to less than 130 milligrams per deciliter. And in our patient, there are additional risk factors, including obesity and a family history of premature cardiovascular disease. Therefore, the cutoff for this patient for treatment is 160 milligrams per deciliter, which they're above. They were initially 170, and then we're 165 after their six months of dietary modifications. All right, Sam, you want to take us home? Absolutely. So answer choices C through E discuss specific treatment modalities. It's important to remember that the first-line therapy is always, always, always an attempt of dietary modifications for at least six months, and then if that fails, there are FDA-approved treatment options for pediatric patients who are at least 10 years old. So answer choices D and E ask you to differentiate between which options are FDA-approved in pediatric patients. 
While treatment options for dyslipidemia include bile acid sequestrants, HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors, or known as statins, and cholesterol absorption blockers, only bile acid sequestrants and statins have FDA approval for use in pediatric patients. This made antichoice D, HMG-CoA reductase inhibitor, the correct option. To wrap up our discussion, we wanted to highlight the possible adverse effects of these medications too. The adverse effects of bile acid sequestrants are mainly limited to the GI tract, and HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors, or statins, have a risk of myopathy, liver dysfunction, and, don't forget, are teratogenic. So that wraps it up for our first case. In the next two weeks, we'll be going over both cyanotic and acyanotic congenital heart defects, so be sure to tune into those. Also, be sure to visit our website and our social media pages, and drop us a line on those and let us know what you think. Bye, guys. Have a good week.